She was this gun-toting, whiskey-drinking broad. The super epic fucking broad. She was a pioneer in the industry. She's also so famous and so controversial. So controversial. So she's kind of a big fucking deal. Her story is so incredible. She belongs on this podcast because she's a broad you should know. Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I'm Sarah Gorski, and I'm here, as promised, with my friend Adrian Snow. Adrian, thank you for being here. Yeah, it's great to be back. I love having you on the podcast. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, if this is the audience's first time listening to you, Adrian, tell them just a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm an actress and improviser in Los Angeles. I mainly work in video games, commercials. I do a show called Church Improv, the first and third Monday at the Clubhouse in Los Feliz. It's very funny. Can attest. Thank you. She served us whiskey last time I went, and I felt really excited about that. Yes, there's always communion <laughs> shots, so there'll be tequila this coming Monday, actually. I realize me buying whiskey is not a smart idea because I drink whiskey, and so then I bring the bottle home, and then I just drink the whiskey. And so, like, I don't really see the problem here, but... Uh... <laughs> I can't have alcohol in my house that I drink, so like tequila is easy because I can't, I can't drink tequila anymore. But yes, that's kind of what I do. I used to be a podcast host for a channel called After Buzz TV, where I would review shows Doctor Who, The Magicians, Handmaid's Tale, Outlander. Half those shows I don't even watch anymore. <laughs> I had to I had to stop watching Outlander. I had to stop. I said that in my last podcast, I was like, I think I'm done. I think I'm never watching the show again. That was like the last thing I said. Well, I am so thrilled to learn about the broad you're bringing today. Tell our patient audience, who are they going to be learning about today? Today, we are learning about the queen, Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh! Michelle Yeoh! Oh my gosh. She is amazing. Yes. If you don't know Michelle Yeoh, she is a Malaysian actress. If you don't know Michelle Yeoh, where have you been? She's known in Hollywood, in the States, for Tomorrow Never Dies, Star Trek Discovery. Crouching Tiger. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And for her <sighs> latest movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Which I haven't seen yet, so don't spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to spoil uh, because a lot happens. I would have to like bring you into the world first before I can even get to the part where we start to spoil it. <laughs> but um, yes, so uh, Michelle Yeoh was born in... IPOC or EPOC Malaysia as Yocho King. Probably said that wrong. Wait, Yocho King. Gosh, I didn't go. even know she was Malaysian. How ignorant yeah. am I? Um, I didn't know she was Malaysian either, so it's okay. Um, I know some really cool people from Malaysia, and now I can definitely say Malaysia seems like it produces cool people. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't associate her as Malaysian just because a lot of people know her through mainly like Hong Kong films and the Chinese market, and so they don't have that association with her at first. But her parents were Janet Yeo, and her father was Yeo Kian Tik. She is Han Chinese, and her first languages were English and Malay before learning Cantonese throughout her career. So mm. when she shot Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, she actually did not know the language and had to have it kind of broken down for her. And also, originally, Ang Lee, the director, was going to have someone come in and dub her. And the cinematographer was like, no, no one can actually replace what she does. So I think it's better that you have her learn the language than mm. to have someone else come in and dub for her because they're not going to be able to match what she's doing. Was that her very first Chinese movie? Oh, no, no, no. I, I can't. I, ha I haven't seen uh, a lot of her Hong Kong films, but what I can kind of glean from like 
like South Korean cinema, which is uh, something I watch a lot. I watch a lot of K drama. Mm-hmm. Is sometimes there will be like an intermingling of the languages. So sometimes mm. if there'll be there'll be moments where I go, oh, that sounds different. I think they're talking in Japanese right now. But I believe a lot of her career, what she's talked about, is at the beginning of her career. It wasn't so much about her actually acting as it was about her doing stunts. And so I'll, I'll kind of go into Ooh. that and kind of break it down from there. But she began studying ballet at like the age of four. And she went on to move to London at 15 to study at the Royal Academy of Dance with a major in ballet. Ballet? She started as a ballerina. So yeah, she, she was a dancer. Wow. Uh, she actually never trained in martial arts or hand-to-hand combat. That was something that came only with her career. So she suffered a spinal injury that led to her transition her degree to creative arts with a minor in drama. So she had to give up becoming a professional ballet dancer. After college, she returned to Malaysia where she would go on to become a beauty pageant contestant. And so she was Miss Malaysia in 1983 at the age of 20. And then she would go on to compete in like multiple pageants and throughout Australia. And she became Queen of the Pacific and Miss Mumba as well. So she was like a beauty queen. <laughs> well, she's freaking gorgeous. She is freaking gorgeous. But it's just like such a funny thing of like, she's a ballet dancer and then she's a beauty queen. And then she's going to kick your ass for the next 30 <laughs> years. So a friend of hers recommended that she auditioned for a commercial starring Jackie Chan. And they hit it off and the production company D&B Films reached out to her and basically put her under contract as an actress. They were kind of like a like a fledgling production company and so they were trying to take on new people and build back up their business. Mm-hmm. And they were a they were a Chinese company or which, which country? Uh, Hong were they Kong. Based in? Hong Kong. Okay. So when she was put under contract, they asked her like, "What type of movies would you like to do?" And she said, "Well, you know." I think I would like to do action just because it's very similar to dance. There's choreography to it. I, I think I would fall easily into that. And at the time, there weren't really any – I mean, there were a few women in action, but they were usually married to, like, the men of the action films. So, like, Jackie Chan's wife at one point did some some action films, I believe. And then usually once they decided to settle down and have kids, they would stop acting. Hmm. Very few were basically put as, like – the co-star and like the co-lead in a film with Jackie Chan. Makes sense. So she took on the contract and for about two years, she worked in films. And her third movie was called Yes, Madam. It's an action film with her and another actress, Cynthia Rothrock. She's an American uh, martial artist. Like Hmm. if you look, if you go Google her, you'll be like, oh, I kind of remember this woman from the early, like the late 80s, early 90s. (laughs) But they did this movie where it was kind of like, they're like, kind of like a version of Rush Hour before Rush Hour existed. (laughs) Like a body cop for girls? Yes. But Cynthia Rothrock, I believe, does actually speak Mandarin. And so it was just like a film for in Hong Kong. And she was just like rolling with everything there, you know? Wow. Which is kind of nice. I was like, good for her. Props to Cynthia. So she would go on to do Yes, Madam. Her first movie was actually called Alv versus Bombo, which is some movie about a thief. She had a very small part in it. So she would go on to do like a few other films in those first few years from like 85 to 87. And then she married Dixon Poon, who was the founder of D&B Films and retired. So a lot of people don't know this, but for five years, she retired from acting. She was so young. Yeah, she was only 25. Oh my gosh. So she was like, I'm settling down. I'm having babies. It's over. <laughs> like, that was it. <laughs> but she discovered that she actually could not have children. She could not conceive children. And Aww. so the marriage eventually kind of just dissolved from that. They're still friends. She's a godmother to one of his daughters. You know, they're all good. But in 1992, they divorced. 
and she had an interview with a journalist and the journalist said, do you have any plans to come back to acting? People still ask about you. People still have interest in seeing you. And so she did the movie Police Story 3, Super Cop, or as we know it, Super Cop, <laughs> and, uh, with Jackie Chan. And that was like her first like major role where she was like the co-lead with Jackie Chan. And she's a fellow cop, I believe, and they're working undercover to take down a drug cartel. And she does all her own stunts. She does all her own fighting sequences. So you can, you can watch it subtitled or dubbed, and I'm pretty sure you can find it streaming somewhere. But I saw a few clips of it. I saw the GQ interview she did recently where she talks about like her film history and like all the movies she's done. She's talking about a stunt where she was supposed to to jump off of a bus or like a garbage truck onto a car that Jackie was driving and the glass was supposed to break to break her fall, but the glass didn't break. So she bounced. And if Jackie hadn't reached out and caught her, she would have fallen on her head. And basically that would have been it. Like, oh my God, but Jackie caught her? He caught her in that he like cur- got her body to curb up. So she still fell. She still fell onto the ground. Yeah. But she got up and she's like, I basically was like, oh, I knew what I, I knew what I did wrong. So I was like, let's just do it again. And the director was like telling Jackie, she's like, she says she's okay. So we're going to do it again. <laughs> and um, they went right back into it. She fell correctly, broke the glass, landed and did everything right. So, oh my gosh. But- it basically could have ended her career. Yeah. And that was just kind of like the beginning of her career again at the age of 30. To be clear, she went on to do movies called Heroic Trio, Tai Chi Master, Super Cop 2, among many others. In 1996, she suffered a pretty major injury shooting a film where she was basically kind of like, I believe she like was in a neck brace and a back brace and she couldn't move her arms. Like she had done a lot of damage. Oh. And she wasn't sure if she would get like act again like just it was like she was like this maybe this is too much maybe i'm pushing myself too hard because she wanted to do everything all the time like she would do the stunt she would do the fight sequences and everything so quentin tarantino of all people was in hong kong and <laughs> wanted to see three people he wanted to meet jackie chan he wanted to meet jet lee and he wanted to meet michelle Yeoh. who at this time i should i should clarify before 1996 her stage name was Michelle Kwan. So when she signed on with DMB, they thought that Michelle Kwan was a more marketable name. And so that's the name she went by. Mm-hmm. But she, he sat down with her when she was like in a brace, right? Like she can't move her head. And he's just talking about her movies and like how much he loves her work and da 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 da. And Quentin Tarantino <laughs> inspired Michelle Yeoh to believe that she could recover and go back into acting and go back into stunts. What are the fucking chances? Yeah. So I was like, this is crazy. But like, so in 1997, at the age of 35, she got the starring role in Tomorrow Never Dies with Pierce Brosnan. And that was her first Hollywood break. So I see all this and I make it very clear how old she was because I know a lot of people are out there and they're like wanting to give up (laughs) and they're they're so young and I'm like, you just never know when it's going to happen for you. So she goes on to do Tomorrow Never Dies and Pierce Brosnan thinks that she's just like so amazing. Like she's doing the acting amazing. She's doing all of her fighting sequences. The director doesn't allow her to do the stunts because in Hollywood, there's a lot of insurance placed on actors when they're mm-hmm. in films. And so there's certain things you can't even do when you're not shooting. Like I was in Utah last year and I went uh, whitewater rafting and they were telling us a story about like Will Smith and Jaden Smith and how Will Smith wasn't allowed to because at the time he was shooting a film. I think they might have been shooting After Earth or something. And he was so expensive that the studio would not allow him to go whitewater rafting, even on like the softest rapids. 
So there is a whole thing about like what Hollywood will allow an actor to do when they're under contract. Yeah. When they're under contract. Yeah. Because the insurance is so high. But Barbara Broccoli, who is a producer for all James Bond films, invited Michelle to bring her stunt team from Hong Kong to shoot all the fighting sequences with her in um, Tomorrow Never Dies because she knew that Michelle trusted those guys and that they would work really well together. And it also spoke to like a difference of shooting styles with American film versus Hong Kong film in that Americans have so much money that everything's planned out. Like, and I think any actor will tell you, like, you get to set and it's just a lot of sitting and waiting. It's a lot of, I mean, honestly, I feel like it's a lot of money wasted by the amount of hours that we just sit there and wait <laughs> to yeah. do stuff sometimes. It's it's getting more and more efficient, but sometimes you just be sitting there for like four or five hours and you're like, dude, you could have called me yeah. two hours, three hours later. But I mean, I've been like sitting on, I've been sitting on set all day, like with like a 6 a.m. call and then yeah. like shot my stuff at like 3 p.m. I'm like. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of moving parts. And so there's a lot of people who have to kind of come in and come out. It's got to be approval and all that kind of stuff. In Hong Kong, it's such a low budget that it's kind of like you get to set. You figure out what you're going to do on the set. You shoot. Like wow. that's it. Maybe you have an idea of like the lines you're going to say. You have a script. But they're like choreographing everything day of getting it done. And then, and then they're out. They got to go. So they flew basically like an outline of the set to her stunt people out in Hong Kong before they even came out to L.A. to shoot. And so when they get to L.A., they're all sitting in the green room. And Michelle's like, what is going on? Like, why are you all sitting in the green room? You're making me look bad. And they're like, Michelle, we, we've known for weeks what we were going to do. We have five different styles we can do for this fighting sequence since you sent us the markup. Like, we're not used to actually having this much time. <laughs> they're used to, used to working a lot faster. So they're like, we're just waiting for the director to invite us onto set so we can show them our, our five different options. <laughs> and I was like, you see? Like, and they're like, yeah. because and, and shooting there is about efficiency. It's about getting it done. It's about making sure that it's it's quality. But at the same time, we got we to gotta get in and get out. So yeah. it was just really nice to kind of hear like that story of like how different things are depending on where you shoot. And also, I see that. So for all those indie directors and people who feel like, my stuff isn't good quality because I have to move so fast. I'm like, that's not true. The Chinese market is one of the largest markets in the world. But that being said, they get used to like you, you, I'm sure the very first time they tried to do it, they weren't, you know, you, the more you do it, the better you get at it moving that fast. Yeah. It's, it's like with anything, like the more you do it, the better you, you get, you get at it. But like, I think a lot of times people stop before even trying because they go, oh, well, I'm not making award-winning movies, one movie out. or And it's like, no one is. No, yeah. no, no one kidding. is. No kidding. Most directors don't talk about the 20,000 shorts they made before they finally got to do a feature, you know? Or like yeah, all the that they like self-funded and self-produced and like... <laughs> but... So Tomorrow Never Dies comes out. It was her big Hollywood breakout role. And she would continue to work in Hollywood, you know, after this. But aside from, like, the Hong Kong Japanese romance, Moonlight Express, she would not work again until 2000's Crash and Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So for three years, a lot of people think, oh, you have your big Hollywood breakout. And then now, like, they want you and they're going to hire you for everything. For a lot of people of color, that is not the case. They do their thing that becomes their big breakout role. And then Hollywood's like, okay, bye. <laughs> like, isn't, that, isn't that also doubly true for, I feel like I've heard that about Bond girls in general. That like it can Bond be girls for Bond girls. Sometimes yeah, it don't can work be. for like 
a few years after those movies. Yeah. I mean, Terry Hatcher, I think, didn't work for a few years, and then she got Desperate Housewives. Halle Berry rolled right into X-Men, Monsters Ball, and so she was working for a bit. But then she kind of suffered that same fate with, like, the they call it, like, the Oscar curse. Like, after women win the Oscar, sometimes their career takes a dive. There's a lot of isms that go into why these things go down the way that they go down. It's important to understand, like, she was already a star before she was ever seen on, like, an American market film. Oh, yeah. But she still ended up having, like, kind of like a, a downbeat in her career for three years where nothing really came along. She did that. That was the only movie she did between 1997 and 2000 was Moonlight Express. And that was a, a Hong She didn't Kong do Japanese, any Hong Kong uh, or Chinese no. film. She didn't do any films over in the Asian market either? Just that one Moonlight Express, yeah. Wow. And, you know, it, a lot of the times what happens is that people will be like, yeah, they want you to come over here, come over here and like audition and da 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 and then nothing will happen. So you spend two two years thinking something's going to happen and nothing happens. But in 2000, Crashing Tiger, Hidden Dragon by Ang Lee did come out and it hit big internationally, got nominated for BAFTA. She got nominated for a BAFTA, got nominated at the Oscars. She didn't get nominated for an Oscar, but the film got nominated for, I think, Best Foreign Language Film. It won Best Foreign Language Film but it was also nominated for Best Picture. But back to Michelle. So Crashing Tiger, Hidden Dragon comes out. That's also a sensational hit. So she continues to do films, but in supporting roles in America after Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. She would go on to do Sunshine, Memoirs of a Geisha, which reunited her with her Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon co-star. So she goes on to do those movies, and she's still doing movies in the Hong Kong, uh, Eastern market, Hong Kong market as well. So she's jumping back and forth. Lead roles in the Hong Kong films, supporting roles in the American films. And it wouldn't be until 2017... That she kind of gets like this like crazy resurgence in the Western market or the American market. She has a cameo in the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> She's cast as the first ever Asian female Asian captain in Star Trek Discovery. Yes, she was amazing. She was amazing. She was honestly the best part of the show and she's best no part. longer on it. And I kind of hate it. But a lot of people don't know that uh, George Takei actually did take on Captain, I think, in Star Trek V. I looked this up. Mm. I had to think. So Sulu was, did become a captain. Makes sense. She's great. And we got double her because at some point in Discovery 2, there's like these multi-universes. And then this, so there was like two captains and one is like kind of good and one is kind of bad. And like, so we had double Michelle Yeoh and I was like, I was in, I was like a pig in shit. <laughs> And it's such a credit to her, like, as an actress, because I think she pulled off the multiverse characters better than anyone else did. I think everyone else, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, you're kind of, you're not really that different. But her characters are so drastically different, and I love that. She also, at the same time, got cast as the roles of Matriarch Eleanor Young and Crazy Rich Asians. That movie's so great. <laughs> All of this is, like, in the span of a year and a half. She does the Gal uh, Guardians of the Galaxy cameo. That's 2017. She does Star Trek Discovery. That's 2018. She does Crazy Rich Asians. That's 2018. So it is kind of like this like moment. Even then, I know there's a lot of talk about like, there's this moment for Asian actors. And it's like, yeah, you're just not being as racist as you normally are. So they're getting a chance <laughs> yeah, to right? showcase. Uh, I'm like, Michelle Yeoh has been waiting for this, you guys. Like, she's been around yeah. here. And to be clear, this is 2017, is what I said. And I was like, 2017, she, she got a major resurgence, which is 20 years after Tomorrow Never Dies. So she yeah. was 
50 when she started to experience like this big resurgence in Hollywood films and television. No, she's 55. My bad. She's 55. She doesn't look it though. She looks, she still looks. She looks amazing. So she was finally getting some recognition that was the recognition she had been receiving in Hong Kong. So she's already a worldwide star. People know her, you know, and she would follow that up with supporting roles in Gunpowder Milkshake, which is a film on Netflix. Last Christmas, it's a British film that came out, I think about two years ago with Henry Golding and the chick from Game of Thrones. I don't remember her name right now. (laughs) It's Amelia Clark, right? Yeah, yeah. And Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Seven Rings. Before landing her first leading role in Hollywood at the age of 59 this year in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And the writers, the the Daniels, it's this directing writing duo. They also did um, Swiss Army Man, so that was their first. Mm. That was their first major film. They were actually known as uh, music video directors before then. But when they were writing Everything Everywhere All at Once, they originally wrote it with Jackie Chan in mind. So they wanted to cast Jackie Chan as the lead and then have uh, Michelle Yeoh play his wife. And they said that they were struggling with parts of of the relationship dynamic when they were writing it. And so then they thought, well, what if we switch it? What if we make Michelle Yeoh the protagonist and we cast someone else as her husband? And they said, and once they did that, it just kind of opened up for them. They're like, oh, crap. Like, this is so much easier to write. Right? Why weren't we writing it like this all along? That's what Was they she said. already attached when they were writing it? No. That's kind of unusual. So they were just like really hoping that she would bite. Yeah. So basically, <sighs> and they said that. They said, well, we're, we – we wanted to ask her, and so she was in town for the Crazy Rich Asian, Asians premiere, and they got uh, lunch with her at the Beverly Wilshire. And essentially, they're like, if she said no, that was kind of going to be it. It wasn't going to work without her. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And so like, they were just going to have to like shelve the project. She talks about it from her end that she went out to lunch with them, and she's like, she's like, I played it really cool because I should. I'm even I might get emotional, but she gets most emotional when she talks about it. She said, like, but it was really. A big deal to me. Like I was really excited for it because it was finally like a moment where I was being recognized to like showcase like all parts of me. That I wasn't just like a stunt actress who mainly did stunts and didn't really have to act. Because in a lot of her Hong Kong films, it wasn't about the acting. It was about the fight sequences. It was about the wire work. It wasn't necessarily about like what she brought as an actress in her beginning yeah. roles. In American films, it 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 wasn't like she got to be the lead and like tell complex stories. She's usually like a supporting role or she was there to like do a fight sequence or be like the sexy love interest for a brief moment and then be gone. And then everything everywhere all at once, she gets to play an aging, complex woman who's, who's experiencing various versions of herself, right? That's as much as I'm going to say about everything overall. <laughs> I have to see it. I've been wanting to. It's on my list. Ah, I mean, I sobbed in the theater. <laughs> like, I laughed very hard. And then at one point, I just like was sobbing at Alamo Draft House. I was trying not to be embarrassed. And so she took it on. And it's like, it's just such an amazing movie. If you haven't seen it, I highly encourage you to see it. It's not an Asian film. It's not a Hollywood film. It's a movie about like humanity and what that means mm. and what it's what it means to have family and what it means to have like dreams that didn't take off and what it means to have when your dreams did take off and and who do, who does that make you out to be when you agree to do what your family wants and when you don't agree to do what your family wants and and sexuality and and what it means to be straight and what it means to be gay and all these different things so i highly encourage everyone to watch this movie <laughs> i okay are you sold me i got to go watch it 
it's a wonderful movie. Like I, I can't speak highly enough about it because it's just so amazing. And she gets to do everything. She gets to do amazing acting. She gets to do amazing stunts. Like they brought Kehu Kwan, Kehu Kwan, who you might remember from The Goonies. He was Data in The Goonies, and oh he my was, God. Um, he was short round in right? Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I was going to say short round. He had essentially retired from acting in the early 2000s so he hadn't acted since 2002 he had mainly gone he went to college after being in like 80s movies then he went on to become like a fight choreographer in hong kong so he would like go on to do that for most of his career the daniels were watching i think the goonies and then and they were like whatever happened to that guy could we find him do you think he would do, do you think he would do our movie <laughs> and they and got him to agree to come out of retirement and do this movie. And so oh he gosh. like he's doing all his own stunts, Michelle's doing all her own stunts. It's an amazing movie. And when I say like it's not like an Asian film, I don't say that in a way where it's like it in any way takes away from Asian culture because it is a movie about an Asian family. And right. they do speak, I believe, Mandarin throughout the film. So I don't want to say that that's like something where it's like it's not about race, it's not about color. No, it's very much about an immigrant story. But I, I, I just want people to get into the habit of not being like, oh, well, that's not appealing if it's an Asian movie or if it's a black movie and this is what that means. No, that only plays into it. It plays it up. It makes it better because you you get to actually talk about the cultural dynamics of that in the movie. And there's there's such a shared dynamic with everyone. You know, I broke down sobbing because I identified with like some of the relationship dynamics in the movie, right? Which they're all, everyone is so good. And we kind so, of like we we brought we rushed through it a little bit. Like we didn't talk, true, we didn't dwell on it. Yeah. We we mm-hmm. didn't dwell on it. But Crazy Rich Asians is also a great movie. <laughs> it is a great movie. I think Michelle Yeoh like watching the clips when they go through all the clips of her movies, and I was like, damn, this is an actress. Like you can see yes. her making choices. You can see her changing vocal cadences, which I always appreciate in actors when they like understand that when you're in different classes, you speak different ways. Like it's not necessarily about like who's who's smarter or who's dumber or any of that kind of thing. It's just like as we go through different classes, we tend to change our cadence. I mean I sound different sometimes depending on what group of friends I'm hanging out with, I feel like code switching you know? is also very much a big thing of like how we sound when we're exposed to people of different races, people of different class, that we mm-hmm. will switch. I sometimes sound different when I'm talking to a man versus when I'm talking to a woman versus when I'm talking to a black woman versus when I'm talking to a white woman. And so I, I really appreciate just watching her do that. I was like, oh, wow, she's like, I can actually see her doing that. <laughs> like I'm putting that into her roles as well. She has such fine new, like I feel like you can tell when you watch her on screen mm-hmm. that she has developed a very finely tuned character that's fully fleshed out and unique in itself. And it's mm-hmm. got such depth. You know, there's a, there's plenty of actors out there that get the job done, but that mm-hmm. sometimes they're like lacks a little of that depth, right? Of character and hers, her characters are just so rich. Like mm-hmm. it, the way a chocolate mousse is <laughs> rich, you know, like, uh, you know, she doesn't, cause she doesn't play all rich characters. A lot of times she does not play rich characters. She plays like middle-class to lower-class characters, but even if she's playing like a low class, like Memoirs of a Geisha, I think people tend to think of that as like a high class. She was playing somebody who definitely had like a stature to them. But Geishas were essentially prostitutes. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't something where they were 
considered to be Bridgerton ladies, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they were the opera singers. They weren't the the ladies of the time. I say all that to say, outside of my horrible butchering of all the Asian names, Michelle Yeoh is just an amazing actress, and I just want to give props to her. She's having this amazing moment in her career at the age of 59, y'all. And she's not done. She's still out there kicking ass and taking names. She's not done at all. I think she's got like three films lined up. She better. I want to see her in everything. Uh, She's got 14. 14 projects lined up. Oh my God. In like pre-production and production? Yeah, because she's in all four Avatar sequels. Oh, wow. And then she's got her own Star Trek uh, TV show coming out that focuses on Philippa Georgiou. I didn't know that was in the works. Now that makes me really excited. Mm -hmm. She's in The Witcher prequel. She's in Minions, Rise of Gru. She's got a bunch of stuff coming on. Oh, man. What an exciting next five years we have filled with Michelle Yeoh. (laughs) Avatar goes all the way to 2028. So what an exciting, like, probably decade. (laughs) I think I'm the only person alive who hasn't seen Avatar. I mean, I've seen Avatar, but I haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters. What when was that? Like a decade ago? I got a lot to watch, Adrian. You've made me aware of all of my my shortcomings in the current. <laughs> start with Super Cop, you know. Start with go back to Crash Tiger Hidden Dragon. Tomorrow never dies. You don't need to watch Avatar, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't see it in 3D in the theaters, it's kind of like, oh, this is bad. But. Well, you should watch Drive My Car because that's the other I'm going to watch Drive My Car. Balls Asian movie yes. that came out last year, and I wanted yeah. it. Actually, I was rooting for it to win Best Picture because I thought it was that. I thought it was that good. I've, I've got to watch it. I know it's. I think it's on Prime. Maybe HBO. Maybe HBO. Yeah, it's so good. Adrian Michelle Yeoh is so amazing. I'm so glad you brought she her today. Is. Yes, yes. I can't wait to see her do more. I was like, I was like, I don't even know if I have enough information, but I did. I had a, a good amount of information about her. You have a ton of so. information. <laughs> I wish we had more. But as you said, as you told me before this episode, that she's um, one of the more private celeb- celebrity personalities. She is more private, and I respect that. So mm-hmm. it's uh, we can just uh, appreciate her as an artist, and that's and that's uh, what we've done. Cool, Thanks, Adrian. Cool. You're awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming oh, back. I'm so glad to have you on Broadsea Should Know. Thank you. Hey, listeners, Sarah here. I don't usually add notes to the end of shows, but per Adrian and several other friends' recommendations, I went to see Everything Everywhere All at Once, starring our Michelle Yeoh. And it is everything Adrian described it as and more. Michelle Yeoh's performance is absolutely remarkable. And it is one of the best movies I've ever seen. So, highly recommend that you check it out too. To learn more about Michelle Yeoh, see pictures, video clips, and other cool stuff that we found about her, head on over to broadsyoushouldknow.com. While you're there, click on over to the About page and read more about Adrienne Snow. Her bio, photos, and links to all her cool stuff is there. Are you following Broads You Should Know on social yet? We're on Facebook and Instagram at Broads You Should Know and Twitter at BYSK Podcast. To suggest a broad, fill out the form on our website or email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. If you're a fan of this podcast, if you like us a lot, then you should spread the word about us. Share your favorite episode with your friends and family and leave us a review. That really helps new listeners to find us. Broads You Should Know is produced by me, Sarah Gorski, and edited by Chloe Skye, with original music by Darren Callahan. Finally, if you really enjoyed listening to Michelle Yeoh's story, then you should check out some of our other Broads You Should Know episodes about actresses. We have Eartha Kitt... Hedy Lamar, and Daria Nicolodi. See you next week for another Broad You Should Know.